I'm sure Josiah knows all about this. He said he wrote his songs in the Stamps-Baxter tradition of shape note. Oh, Josiah's nodding his head. See, that's all Greek to me. I don't know what shape note is. Uh, but uh, that, that was popular uh, in uh, Texas and, uh, and Oklahoma, in parts of Texas and Oklahoma. So, uh, of course, I looked in the scripture because I, I had a verse in mind in the scripture. But like I say, he didn't get that, that from this verse in Psalm 90 where uh, Moses wrote uh, that uh, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And uh, if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. But he didn't use that, so... But it's in there, and, and the thought is there, whether he realized that or not. Uh, so uh, this is a psalm of Moses, Psalm 90. It's a great psalm. I read it a lot of times, or at least parts of it, for funeral services. So we'll read this psalm together. This is a psalm of Moses, as I said. The, uh, Moses wrote other psalms that are not recorded in the book of Psalms. This is the only psalm of Moses that we know of that is recorded in this book of Psalms, which the book of Psalms has 150 different divisions, 150 different psalms. So uh, out of 150, one of them is attributed to Moses. So let's look at the Psalm 90. We'll read it together, and you can stand with me if you want to, if you're able. And uh, Moses wrote, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, in the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy. 
that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto thy children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Dear Lord, we bow before you again this morning. Thank you, dear Lord, for these words that were written so long ago, so many centuries ago. We thank you, dear Lord, for the application they have for us today. Lord, for the truth that is conveyed to us in this 90th Psalm. I pray, dear Lord, this morning as we gather in divine presence that we'll have a sense of Jesus' presence with us. Lord Jesus, that you will impress upon our hearts that you are here. And Lord, you are receiving our worship and you are directing my words this morning, dear Lord, that they can minister grace and hope in days when perhaps there are some things that are negative, some things that are on the dark side that pull us down. May we be lifted up when we realize what a strong Christ we have and when the plan of, we see the plan of God being fulfilled. We ask, dear Lord, all these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we know a lot about Moses. I'm sure I don't have to say anything about Moses. Uh, Moses gives insight into life is what I title I put on this. <clears throat> uh, when Moses, when we talk about Moses, he is referred to as the man of God. The man of God. Timothy was called that by Paul. Moses was called that, according to some count in the Old Testament, 70 times. He was called the man of God 70 times. Um, so uh, we're talking about a very special person when we talk about Moses. Uh, so when he writes a psalm, it's good to remember that uh, Moses had intimate contact with God. Uh, God said, I'll give visions, dreams to others, but when it comes to Moses, I'm going to speak to Moses face to face. And when we think of face to face, we know that no man can see God and live, not even Moses. There was a time when Moses wanted to see God's glory. And so when it says face to face, it is a figure of speech that says, that is saying to us on a very intimate basis, on a very personal basis, I'll communicate with him. There was a time when Moses pleaded with God because the Israelites uh, were such a discouragement to him. Uh, do uh, people discourage you sometimes? Uh, do, uh, do people get under your skin sometimes? Uh, Christian 
people that so-called take the name of Christ and, and yet uh, they do not show the spirit of Christ. Uh, Moses dealt with that. Uh, Moses let it get to him, didn't he? Uh, we don't like to think about that, but this was a man that loved God so much and wanted to see God's glory and said, I don't even want to go into Canaan land if you're not going to lead us. Um, I, I'm planning on not going if you're not going to lead us. And God said, well, I will go before you. Uh, but uh, the scripture tells us uh, that there was a time when God said, uh, I will let my glory pass by you. And uh, recall that uh, he hid Moses and Moses was able to see the hind parts is what it says as God's glory passed by. Uh, but as I said, even though Moses was a man of God, there was a time when he got aggravated, didn't he? <laughs> Instead of speaking to the, to the rock, uh, in his anger he took his rod and hit the rock. He hit it one time, nothing happened. Uh-oh, <laughs> this is going to look bad because I'm supposed to be the man of God. And I said, water's going to come out of this rock and it's not coming. So he hit it again and God had mercy on him so that he wouldn't look like a fraud in the eyes of the people. And so water gushed out of the rock. But God said, you didn't glorify me. I saved your hide, Moses, is what we would say. I'm not saying that scripture. But God saved Moses' hide and let the water come out. But he said, you did that like you were in charge instead of just speaking to the rock. So you're not going to be able to go over into Israel, into the Canaan, into the promised land. Uh, God, God kept Moses from doing that. Uh, when you think about the fact that Moses was not able to go into the, into the Canaan, the promised land, uh, God did let Moses see where he was going to take the Israelites and the whole showed him a panoramic view. Uh, it wasn't on touch screen. It was better than touch screen. I don't know how God did it. But Moses was able to see the land, all the land, even though he was just there on a mount outside of the promised land. And the scripture says, that Moses went up on the mount and died up on the mount. And none of the Israelites were allowed to be at his, at his funeral. There was, only, there was only God and the heavenly host that were allowed. The Bible indicates that he buried him, that God buried Moses, uh, that uh, it was only Moses and the angels. The devil's kind of mad about that. Uh, when you read in the book of Jude, there's a quotation that there was a controversy, a dispute about the body of Moses. And uh, Michael the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. 
because God had his plan. Why weren't the Israelites allowed to be at the memorial of this great man? Because God knew that they would make an idol out of it. They would make an idol out of that grave. They would be worshiping at the grave like Moses was something instead of God being all in all. And so God did not allow the Israelites to even know where Moses was buried. But we know that Moses didn't stay down, did he? Uh, his body was buried, but the Bible tells us that it was he and Elijah that appeared to Jesus. It's recorded in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the scripture tells us that Moses appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and was talking to Jesus. He and Elijah were talking to Jesus about when Jesus was going to be crucified. Um, the scripture tells us that uh, Jesus spoke about Moses. Of course, Jesus was the source of Moses. He set Moses on his journey. And so Jesus allowed Moses, God allowed Moses to be there to talk to Jesus. So uh, when we read this psalm, it gives us great reverence for what Moses has to say. It is thought that he wrote this uh, maybe toward the end of his life. We don't know for sure. That's, that's all speculation. But you can see that that's a possibility when you think about the Israelites dying in the wilderness because of their stubborn refusal to follow the Lord. Uh, the scripture tells us that none of that generation was going to inherit the promised land. It was going to be their children that they said would be a prey, that their, their children would be wasted in battle. Uh, God allowed the children to go in. But the older generation, the old, you know the Bible calls people that are stubborn against the will of God, stiff-necked, stiff-necked. You, you, you've had a stiff neck before, haven't you? Uh, you don't want to turn your head. Uh, it hurts. Get a stiff neck. People get a stiff neck against God's will. They don't want to turn God's way and rather than turn God's way they stubbornly persist in their own way in, in their own designs in their own will whatever, whatever it is concerning uh, whether it's obedience to some of the commands of God whether it is revealed light uh, in something that maybe is not specifically mentioned in scripture because God does lead his dear children along, the, the song says. So it may, not, it may not be something that's specifically named in Scripture, but God reveals it to us and says, I want you to do this or do that or not do this or not do that. So stiff-necked. So they were stiff-necked. They would not go God's way. They would not move in faith. And so, 
The scripture says that they had to die. And so imagine Moses, the man of God. He was a person in touch with people. He knew people. He knew their, he knew their proclivities, their weaknesses, their problems. But now this terrible judgment has fallen on them. And to watch them for 40 years as they grow weak and old and die. <coughs> think, about, think about it. The first part of the psalm tells us of God's greatness, of God's eternality. He is, he is forever. And we cannot, we cannot comprehend that, folks. Because the finite mind, the limited mind, cannot comprehend the limitless. We, we cannot do it. And so, as a kid, I used to lay and think, now what does that mean? From everlasting. God's got to have a beginning. Everything I know has a beginning. God's got to have a beginning. But Moses, the man of God, said God didn't have a beginning. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you can't comprehend it otherwise. All you can do is accept it and say that's the way it is. The Bible says it. And like I've said and like others have said, that doesn't matter if you believe it. That's still the way it is. That's already, it's already settled from everlasting. So God said it, and that's it. That's the way it is. So we look at the greatness of God, um, that there is none like him, that time is nothing to him, um, that when we think about, when we think about a thousand years, uh, Moses said it's just like, just like a four-hour watch in the night. Just so goes by so fast. With God, that is nothing. And then he begins to talk about the failure of man. The frailty of man, the failure of man. The frailty of man is, it doesn't take much to take us down. Um, you know, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I was, I was feeding Savannah last night, my Tennessee Walker that I've got for a while, anyhow. And I was dipping grain with a quart dipper, and I could my elbow hurt so bad. It had I don't know that I did anything to it, but using my right arm and going in and bending, it just really hurt me so bad. And I thought, so you think you're going to do this? You don't know what you're going to do. I had to use my left arm. Now my right arm's working okay today. There's a, there's a tender spot here in my elbow, and I'm going to try to take care of it. But, you know, give it a little time to heal. But we don't know. Um, Brother Jim told me he stepped off a skid loader the wrong way and, and is sore from that. We just don't know. 
uh, we're pretty frail, we're pretty weak, uh, and it doesn't take much to knock us down. We think, we think we're going to, uh, but it doesn't work that way a lot of times. So the frailty of man, we're like grass that grows up. Uh, another place that says uh, the rich is like the flower in the grass. Uh, the, the flower quickly fades. Um, grass is cut down and withers. Um, so I could give you that, but I probably, I probably shouldn't give you that, that bad rhyme, should I? Uh, in the morning it's sown, and then it's grown, then it's moan. <laughs> so that's corny, isn't it? Uh, so uh, it talks about how weak we are, how frail we are, uh, and it talks about our failures. Um, that these people failed God. Moses saw it over and over again that they failed God, and they were paying a terrible price for their failure. Um, God knows all of our sins. There is no such thing as a hidden sin from God, is there? We hide it from people, but we can't hide it from God. So he says in verse 8, uh, you, have, you have set our iniquities before thee and our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. So the light of God's glory shines brightly and shows where we have gone against him, even if we try to hide it from other people. So our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Imagine, and you know how it is, ladies, there's something when you're cleaning the house and you think you got it and then you open the big curtain that covers the window from the light shining in and then the light shines in you see, oh, there's cobwebs, there's, there's dust. I didn't see that. Well, God's light shows all that. And he says, uh, our days are passed away because you're angry. He, see, he saw the people succumbing to age and weakness. Moses didn't. The scripture tells us Moses' physical force was not diminished. Uh, he didn't die because he got old and weak. Uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't start faltering. He didn't start having trouble getting out of his chair. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't have any failure as far as energy to carry on through the day, but it was his time to go, and God took him. But it wasn't because of physical weakness. It wasn't because of a breakdown in his physical body. So we're told the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And they could be fourscore years. So we're talking about 70 or 80 years, aren't we? Uh, some of us are in overtime, aren't we? <laughs> and like, uh, like one of our camp meetings preacher said, and then you're in overtime, and then, God forbid, sudden death, playoff. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, so uh, we don't know how long we've got. Um, we can look at some that just seem like they're the, the Energizer buddy, that bunny. They just keep going and going and going, don't they? Yeah, it's wonderful when we see people that uh, through God's mercy and goodness they're able to go on. At least if they're godly people, we praise God for that. Uh, so uh, then the plea is for God to help us so that we can live lives that are pleasing to him. Yeah, we acknowledge our failure. We, we acknowledge our shortcomings. We acknowledge, I mean, if you're looking to me for a perfect example, you better look somewhere else because I failed a lot of ways. And if I told you all the ways I failed, you probably wouldn't believe it. And I'm glad you wouldn't. But I have failed in a lot of ways to do what is right. But I'm glad that God's grace, Christ's love has forgiven me. And I'm here because of his forgiveness and because of his acceptance. So um, in, this is just such a wonderful psalm. Uh, make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us. Uh, we can be glad because we have been corrected by the Lord. And verse 16 says, Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And I love this verse 17, especially, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Um, it, it's important for us to let the beauty of our God be upon us, folks. Some people get old and nasty, don't they? They do. They become grumps. They act like, well, I've served my time. Now you're going to buckle under and do what I say. But don't you love people that let the, the glory of the Lord shine through them and they show the love of Jesus? The beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And then we all pray for that, don't we? Establish the work of our hands. And we pray that God will do that. The work of our hands, we can't establish it. That's God. God has to establish it. So if, if we build the house... We labor in vain. It's the Lord. The Lord has to build the house, doesn't he? So, but let's go back to this. It is soon cut off and we fly away. Whether Brumley realized it or not, Albert Brumley, you know, he was too poor to go to music school and the headmaster or whatever they called him allowed him to come and and for free get an education in music uh, what a blessing that he allowed him to do that changed the course of his life so when we talk about it's soon cut off and we fly away uh, almost everybody that that receives the scripture at least believes that we're a, at least a dichotomy that we're, we're two part we're physical and we're spiritual and many of us believe in a trichotomy you don't have to know that to go to heaven by the way uh, so if you, if you don't know what I said it's okay it just means 
body, soul, and spirit is a trichotomy. Dichotomy is body and spirit. Soul is all included in that. So, so it doesn't matter if you remember that terminology. That's theological stuff that I barely know. So uh, the scripture tells us that you don't see everything that I am just by looking at me. That there's more to me than what meets the eye. That, that there is something inside of me that makes me who I really am. And that if life goes out of this body, that it means that there's something that is vital and something that has personality and, and, and identity that is going from me. So the writer in Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 7, Solomon said, the body returns to dust, but the, the spirit returns to God that gave it. So there's, a, there's at least a dichotomy, isn't it? body going to dust, spirit returns to God. So, so there's an inner person. The, the New Testament talks about the inner man, the inner person, the inner, the inner you, the inner woman, uh, a different, a, a different uh, person on identified on the inside. I mean, I'm not saying that you are different in your action, but I'm saying there's something alive in this body. So, uh, the scripture tells us that Paul spoke about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 4 to 10. And it's a scripture that many of you know very well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 4 to 10. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, for we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So there's the we that he's talking about, that, that that part of me could be absent from the body. The body could be here, but that we or that spirit could be with the Lord. So... He says in verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So this isn't something you can see that you can diagram. You know that a doctor says, well, I, I opened him up and there I found his soul. Or I opened him up and there I found the inner man. It's not something like that. It's something we know exists and we walk by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> We are confident, I say, Paul says, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. 
So that looks like moving day, doesn't it? It looks like moving out of the body and moving into the presence of the Lord. And he says, wherefore we labor, that whether, late, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. <clears throat> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And then uh, he tells about an experience he had in this same book over in the 12th chapter. And in the 12th chapter, verses 1 to 4, it's, he speaks very humbly because he doesn't identify that it's him that it happened to. Uh, he, he says, uh, uh, I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord in verse 1. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. See, he believed that, some, that you could move out of your body, that that experience happened. God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. Where's the third heaven? It's the presence of God. So someone said, you see the first heaven? By day, you see the second heaven by night, don't you? When, when the sun has set, you can see the stars, you see the moon. You see the third heaven by faith. You see where the, God, the presence of God is by faith. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful or possible for a man to utter. Paul speaks about this. So, how about Jesus when he died? The scripture tells us that at Jesus' death, that in Luke 23, 46, that his, he committed his spirit to God, didn't he? His body was still on the cross committed his spirit to God and he gave up the ghost he gave up the ghost the body was still there and how about on the dark side that some people don't want to accept and believe in which was Jesus story of the rich man and Lazarus not his friend Lazarus but a beggar Lazarus in Luke 16 22 where the Bible says that there was a rich man, he made a lot of money every day, had, had uh, fared sumptuously, and must have had trays of good food all the time. And the scripture says there was a beggar that was laid at his gate full of sores. And the vicious dogs came to eat the sick man's wounds because these were not poodles. <laughs> these were vicious dogs that roamed looking for carrion, for any, any, any decaying thing they could eat. Lazarus had to fight from them taking his life from him. Fight them to prevent that and so 
the scripture says that death came to both of them. The rich, the Lazarus died. Now this ought to make you shouting happy, folks. Because you know who he had for his pallbearers. The angels carried him into the heavenlies. What happened to his body? It probably went on the city dump. He probably went where the fire of Gehenna was burning. Probably, I mean, he was infected. He was a health risk. Nobody to claim him. He probably got thrown on the burning city dump. But the real Lazarus wasn't there. He was born away by the angels. The scripture says that the rich man also died and he was buried. Probably had a big funeral. Probably had a lot of speeches at the funeral like they do today to godless people that they want everybody to go to heaven because that makes everybody feel good and kind of ridiculous sometimes. I saw him talking last week about somebody that had been shot to death and they were up there watching down over everybody that was celebrating their life. I don't think so. So the scripture says, yeah, he, the rich man was buried, but he, he wasn't, his body was in the ground, but his spirit went somewhere else. And he was in torture. He was in misery in a place we call hell. <clears throat> the dark side. The Bible tells us that whether we're Christian or whether we're sinner, that we have a never dying spirit. We have a spirit that's going to go on beyond this body. And so he went to a place he couldn't get out of, a place of misery, a place of suffering, and he remembered that he received all his good things. He didn't seek God. He didn't, he didn't think the things of God were important, and so he was shut out. So there we see, again, an example of a person leaving the body and going to another destination. But aren't you glad as the people of God that it's just like Albert Brumley said, that one of these times, some glad morning, <laughs> when this life is over, aren't you glad we can come back from the dark side? Some glad morning when this life is over. Yeah, I'll fly away. And we're going to go, we're going to go to a home on God's celestial shore. And like a bird from prison bars has flown, some people that are lying in bed sick and suffering and all suddenly prison doors are open and they go to see Jesus. They're in the presence of the Lord. We'll fly away. Praise the Lord. Well, 
That's what I've got to say. And I'm glad the Bible backs it up. It's there for us, folks. It's there for us to feast on, enjoy, praise God for, because we've got everything to be joyous about ahead of us. Because Jesus paid it all, didn't he? Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for us. Will you stand with me this morning?